little over a month ago, uh, there was a horrible tragedy in Gaston County, North Carolina. Um, a dad who usually didn't take his two-year-old child uh, to daycare uh, was taking his kid to daycare on his way to work that, uh, that morning. Um, the kid was quiet in the back seat as he arrived at, uh, at work like he, he normally would, going through his routine. He got out of his uh, car, goes in to go to work, and when he comes out, his two-year-old is dead in his car, overheated. Uh, a, less than a week later, the same thing happened in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Since uh, 1995, this has happened uh, around a thousand times. Tragedies that researchers say uh, very rarely have anything to do with, with negligence or foul play. It's parents who, due to miscommunication of who was to take the, the child to daycare or who are out of their normal routine and their minds are on other things or the baby just is quiet in the back seat, they forget. They forget something that they long to remember. They forget something that they told themselves, I'll never forget and bring any harm to this little one. And now parents who have experienced that great tragedy are pleading, pleading for help, help for others that they would be spared this tragedy, that they would have aids to help them remember, that they would be reminded uh, legislation is being passed to, to change uh, safety features in cars and car seats. That there would be reminders that would be given to these parents so that they would never forget that there's a little one in the back seat. Peter, in the book we're going through, Second Peter, has told us some incredibly great things and good news that we would tell ourselves, never, I'm never going to forget these things. I always want to cling to and hope to, uh, 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 in these things. He has, he has told us already, just as we recap what we've seen so far, that we have been saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus. We've been saved to a life of godliness and holiness. This, uh, this life that we've been saved and, re and, re and redeemed to live out, we've been, been granted power through the great and gracious and uh, precious promises that our, our Lord Jesus has given us as he's at work in our lives. And, and we can have evidence, evidence in our lives of the salvation that is ours through Jesus, uh, that's evidence through faith and through diligent effort to live out a life that reflects Jesus. Peter is saying that we can have assurance through seeing that fruit in our lives. Uh, so much so that one way to summarize a little bit of what we talked about last week is that uh, high levels of assurance really don't come along with low levels of obedience. That's why Peter is saying strive in the power of Christ and in the grace that he gives you to live a life that demonstrates his grace and mercy to your own heart and to the watching world. Peter is saying these things are precious. They're great. You don't want to forget them. You must, we must remember. But how easy is it to get distracted? How easy is it to say, I would never forget. I wouldn't be like 
those parents, I wouldn't be like those maybe that Peter's warning in this passage. Let's see. Let's see if we do need these reminders. Let's look together. We're in 2 Peter chapter 1. We're looking this morning, we're going to look at verses 12 uh, through 21. If you want to follow along in one of the black Bibles there in your pew, uh, this is on page 1018. So if you would, please follow along with me as we hear from the Word of God. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with him, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we do not want to forget. We want to remember the grace and mercy of Jesus and the great calling that you have for us in this world. And we pray this morning, Holy Spirit, use your word here, given to us through Peter, that you would work your promises and your great power into our hearts and our lives, that we would cling and hope and rest in Him, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. Notice Peter's intention and his purpose here in this section of 1 Peter is to remind us, to remind us that that we must remember, we must not forget these great truths about the promises and the calling of God's people. Notice, he says it over and over in these first few verses. Look in verse 12. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. He goes on down again, knowing that he's about to die, he has these things on his mind. He says, I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up 
by way of reminder. Then down in verse 15, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. He can't be any more clear. He said it every possible way he could. My goal and intention is to remind you of these great truths I've already communicated to you about who you are in Jesus, about all that he's granted and given to you, all that he's done for you, who he's called you to be. You must not forget. You must remember. Do you ever get annoyed when somebody keeps trying to tell you something and you're like, I know that. Quit telling me. Peter's not concerned if you get offended. He even acknowledges it. Look at what he says. I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them, and are established in them. He recognizes that the people that he's writing to know these things. They're presently living them out, yet he says, my intention is to remind you. And he's going to great effort to remind them. Uh, he, he says that he intends always to do it. He says that as long as he is alive, he is going to continue to do this, making every effort, so that, he tells us in verse 15, even after he's gone, he wants to remind God's people so much that even after he is dead and gone and no longer around, that you will be able at any time to recall these things and remember them. I just thought about this. My calculus teacher in, in high school, he would teach, as he was teaching calculus, he would always sing these little songs. Who ever thought calculus songs? But I'm, in, I'm a freshman in college, and I'm sitting down to take an exam. And although I heard Coach Johnson singing these little songs over and over, and sometimes they got annoying, but you know what? When the time came and I needed it, what came popping in my head? A song about derivatives. A song about integration. Passed the test. I may have been annoyed in the moment, but Coach Johnson knew what he was doing. And Peter knows what he is doing because he knows something about the human heart. He knows about what it means to forget the good and gracious promises of Jesus. And in the moment, to struggle under pressure. Because Peter's done it. And he wants to remind us, God's people. So what does that mean? If this is his goal and his intention is to remind us, then we should respond by making every effort to remember, to heed his call and his purpose and his intention to remind us of these good and gracious promises. Uh, he, even recognizing and noticing uh, and, and what he's doing here, he, he was seeking to, to remind them in the moment. He was seeking to prepare them so that even when he was gone, they would constantly be reminded. He's gone. Peter no longer lives. But we have access through the word of God communicated through him for us to be able to go back, to avail ourselves of God's people, of his word, of his good promises. Christians of old used to say that we need to 
continue to preach the gospel to ourselves day in and day out. God even would tell his people, I want you to write this on everything. Write it on stuff and tie it around your forehead. Write it around your doors. Tell your kids when they get up and when they go down, when you're walking and wandering around, why? Because there's something about our minds and our hearts that we're easily distracted. We easily can forget good and important things, even things we don't want to forget. And God is telling us, do whatever is necessary to commit these things to memory. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to give you what is necessary. My word, my spirit, my promises, my goodness to you. Where are you right now walking with Christ? Are you in a place where right now you're saying, I'll never forget this stuff. I'll never forget the good news of the gospel. I'll never forget the promises that Jesus has extended to me of his sufficiency, of where my strength comes to live out the Christian life, of the calling that Christ has for me to live a holy and godly life. Peter says, you may know it. You may be established in it now, but you must constantly remind yourself and pursue and continue to flee to these promises and the promise giver that you might hope and rest only in him. Maybe you're here this morning and you, you would say, in the past I, w- I would have professed faith in Christ. And at one time these good promises of Jesus were on my heart and on my mind and I was living them out. But I forget, I, I think I'm beginning to forget them. I'm straying and I'm wondering, and my, and my, my heart and my life no longer reflects the goodness of my Savior. Hear God's call to you this morning. Remember. Remember who Jesus is. Remember what he's done for you. Do not forget. Cling and look and hope in him. When I was in high school and college, this is back before we had cell phones and you could just look up any number that you, you wanted. You, you had to memorize numbers. Uh, and sometimes somebody might call and they would give a number. And when you get off the phone, I, I would be with a group of friends and we're trying, I'm trying to remember it at least to, so that we can call or do whatever we need to do. So let's say it's the, the church phone number. 252-679-3088. I get off the phone. 252-679-3088. You know, hang up, push all the buttons. 252 and, and in the background, I hear my friends going, 6, 3, 9, 18, 2, 16, 40. They're messing with me. They're throwing out wrong information, things that's incorrect. Because they're being malicious? No, they're just goofing off. How hard is it to remember what is true, what is good, and what is right when there are others who are communicating things that are contradictory, that is false and wrong information? We need to be convinced of what the truth is. Remember, in the context that that, that Peter's writing to these churches, they are being assaulted and infiltrated by false teachers. 
Peter has been communicating to them about the good news and the truth of the gospel, and they're speaking other things. It's myth. It's just tradition. It's false. It's untrustworthy. Jesus isn't coming back. He doesn't care about sin. He's not going to judge. Do what you want to do. In the midst of this, they are experiencing competing voices and murmuring that if they give their ear and their attention to, could lead them astray. Do you recognize yourself being in a similar situation where the truth of God's word is questioned, uh, where these, these promises and, and, and truth about the identity of Jesus is said by some to be myth or, or fable, that you believe in a God who created all things? A flood? Are you serious? God became flesh and, and he rose? He rose from the dead? No, you're foolish. There are even some so-called churches that would look at the word of God and say a lot of it is myth and error and made up. There's some kernels of truth. Notice what Peter says as he pushes back against the false information as he's seeking to call his people to remembrance and to faithfulness. Look at what he says in verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. If we are going to remember and see this as being important and the true truth, we must go back to this. It is not myth. This isn't a new accusation against the truths of Scripture and testimony of the good news of Jesus. It's always been around. They're just telling you myth. But notice what Peter says. It is not myth. I was an eyewitness. I walked with Jesus. I could smell Jesus. I touched Jesus. I ate with Jesus. It's not made up. It is not a fable. My account to you that I'm communicating to you now, I am testifying. I saw him. I saw what he did. And it is true. Peter is making an, an act of defense in fact, he's on a counteroffensive to attack and push back against the lies that the, the, these false teachers professing to be followers of Jesus are communicating to the church. And Peter is saying, it's true. It's true what I saw. Uh, and in fact, uh, he points here to one particular uh, uh, event in the life of Jesus that he's recounting because it comes into play in, in, in answering the questions that, uh, that people may have in light of the false teacher's teaching that's saying Jesus isn't going to come back. He's not going to ultimately deal with sin. He, doesn't, he isn't going to keep his promises. Peter's recounting something that he, he saw and, and, and he witnessed that uh, by many Christians is called the transfiguration. I'll read it to you from, uh, from Mark 8, which many people also think Mark is, is giving us his 
the life and an account of Jesus' uh, life and teachings is from, uh, from Peter. But listen to what he says, uh, beginning in uh, verse 38 of chapter 8. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And after six days, Jesus took, the, took with him Peter, James, and John, and led them to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Peter is pointing back to this event that he was an eyewitness of. Notice what he says. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. In verse 17, For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard the very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter is wanting us all to know in the face of these accusations, he was there. This declaration from God about who Jesus was, this demonstration and, and, and breaking in of the glory and power of Jesus being revealed to them on the mountain, Peter says, I was there, I saw it. And this is revealing and confirming who Jesus proclaimed to be and pointing to just what Jesus said. I'm going to come. My kingdom will come. Peter, James, and John glimpsed it there. And here, when we are struggling against these questions of myth, of fable, of things being made up, we would do well to go back to these historical eyewitness trustworthy accounts and recognize that the gospel and the word of God is true. And there may be, may be some of you here who are still trying to uh, figure out uh, who Jesus is. You're exploring and digging into Christianity and you have questions that, that really have to do with that very statement. You may wonder, can I trust what I'm reading? Are these just myth and made up? Have men just kind of uh, made these stories up, and it's no different than any other uh, just fiction book that I would pick up off of the shelf that may inspire me and bring me good feelings in my heart, but ultimately it's just a, a crutch for me to make my way through this life. No. No. The scriptures say over and over, this is not myth contrived, devised, and come up with by men. We are here from Peter hearing an eyewitness account. 
If you have questions about that, if you have questions about the trustworthiness and the reliability of Scripture, I would love to dig into that with you and show you that, that the accounts and the translations that we are reading now are, are consistent with what was originally written from the, the time when Peter and these other eyewitnesses wrote it. And so we can trust that the account that we're reading now is what he wrote and we are hearing and reading from an eyewitness who saw and heard the truth of who Jesus is. You may wonder, you may have other questions. Well, that may, that may be true for these guys who, who saw Jesus and who were around him, but what about all the other stuff in Scripture? Maybe there's other parts of it that are, that are made up and not true. What about all the stuff that happened way back in the Old Testament that was talking about things that they would never see or know? Oh, that's a very good question. And notice what Peter says. And we have the prophetic word that is more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter is saying the, the, the other things in Scripture of people who, who were writing about the promises to come, who didn't see them, but wrote of what would, what would be coming forth, uh, we should listen to them. Because what I just saw and I'm telling you about what I saw, confirms the trustworthiness and truthfulness and gives us more confidence in what we have seen those, uh, those prophets write and communicate. Here, he's, uh, we, we could look just at one place. Uh, we use it as our prayer passage this morning, Psalm 2. Uh, remember what Peter has told us that he heard when he was on the mountain? He said that he was on a, uh, the holy mountain, and he said that he, that he heard things, uh, 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 God communicating that Jesus was his beloved son. Listen to, remember back what we read in Psalm 2. He talks about the nations raging and being against God and his anointed one. But listen to what he says beginning in verse 4. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me... I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Similar language is coming up. I will tell of the decree. Yahweh said to me, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Peter is saying all of this that was spoken about the promised one who would come who would rule and reign over all things in heaven and on earth, and who one day would come and judge, bringing deliverance to those who take refuge in him, and judging those who remain in rebellion, that promised one was Jesus. And I saw it confirmed and established on the holy mountain when God spoke and said, Jesus is my beloved son. He is the promised one. And if you doubt whether he's coming, if you doubt whether he will fulfill and keep his promises, 
you have not just my eyewitness testimony, but you have all of the Old Testament scriptures that pointed to Christ who would come, that pointed to the covenant-making and keeping God who would keep all of his promises in Christ Jesus for his people. Those things weren't made up either. Notice what he says. He's digging down again. That no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. They were not produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by His Holy Spirit. What we have, what we are reading, is the Word of God. Communicated and given to us as the Holy Spirit bore along men, speaking through them, communicating the truth of God's Word to His people. What that means, Peter says, is we must cling to it. We must cling to it like you would cling to a lamp in a dark place because you know without it you won't be able to see. Peter is saying we must respond, cling to, remember, and hope in the promises of God that have been given to us in His Word. I remember I was going through a Bible study with a, a who's now a great, great friend of mine. Um, and we were, uh, we were looking through questions of whether the Bible was reliable and whether it really was the Word of God and whether we could trust it. And I had a whole lot of stuff ready to, and planned out for us to look through. And um, uh, the first thing he said was, well, I mean, I figure if God can create the world, he can write a book, right? <laughs> you might think that's, uh, that's uh, a simple truth. But you know how profound that is? The creation declares that there is a God who made and created all things. Do you not think that the one who made butterflies and leaves and scents and flowers and you would be able to accurately and truthfully reveal himself to you and to his creation through his word as well? This means that when we are reading in the scriptures and we encounter how God says that we should live our lives, remember, that's what Peter has told us. Don't forget that who God is calling you to live must be informed and shaped by the life of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus. We will encounter darkness in this world. We will encounter false teaching that calls into question whether you can trust what's in the word. Whether really you should live your life in conformity to the sexual ethics of the scriptures or whether marriage should be defined according to what God says or the world says or whether uh, what uh, comfort, possessions, and money and success in this world will bring you in this life uh, of whether it is really worth it to profess faith in Jesus in the face of social rejection, shame, punishment, loss of life, Peter says, you have been given the word of God. Trust him. Listen to him. Apply this to your heart and your lives because he's the one who loves you. He is the one who has given you his promises. He keeps them. We have record of it. 
If we are going to live out the Christian life, we must go back to Jesus. We must go back to his promises. We must not forget the one who died for us, the one who speaks to us even now, the one who gives us all things needed to live out a life of gratitude, of godliness, and of thanksgiving. Hear and know the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel, and the sufficiency of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you uh, for your word. Uh, We thank you that we can trust and know uh, that you are who you've claimed to be. You accomplished what you said you would accomplish. God, we pray uh, and ask, uh, Holy Spirit, uh, we are desperate in need of you to apply this truth to our lives. It's what Peter has been pointing us to. And so we ask you to do that. We plead before you that all of these things that you've granted us for life and godliness, that they would be ours in Christ. Move us to flee to him, to call to him, to rest in him and trust in him. In Christ's name we pray.